Welcome to another inspirational message from Gateway Life Church. We're so glad that you've joined us and trust that this podcast will be a blessing to you. Today, I just really felt the Holy Spirit uh, wanting uh, me to remind us uh, as a house of our theme for 2021. And uh, our theme for this year is called The Table. Uh, Our key passage for 2021 around the table is actually found in Psalm 23. And, uh, and I just want to ask you, how, how's your table going? And uh, who's sitting at your table? Uh, tables are centerpieces. Uh, it doesn't matter where you go. Uh, have you ever considered um, just how much of life revolves around a table? Uh, tables, as I've already said, are centerpieces uh, within our homes, cafes, restaurants, schools and offices. Uh, But a table is much more than just a common piece of furniture. Uh, It's also a reflection of what Jesus came to continually build, which is the local church. And Jesus Christ himself is not only the head of the table, being the church, but he himself is the centerpiece of the table, being the bread of life. Today, I want to talk about the story of Mephibosheth found in 2 Samuel chapter 9 verses 1 to 13, which is also gateway word of the week. Now this particular story, um, I first read this story and learned about it all the way back in 1993. I was still what I would consider a very young Christian. I'd been saved for around about four years. And I still remember the impact that this story had on my Christian life as I got what I believed was a clearer picture of what Jesus has done for us. And so before we really just kind of dive into the heart and the spirit of this story, I want to give you just a little bit of background. And so Mephibosheth, he was the son of Jonathan, and Jonathan was the son of King Saul. Jonathan had also become a special and a very close friend of King David. In chapters 18 to 20 of 1 Samuel, we find that King Saul had become very jealous of King David because of his success, so much so that he wanted to kill him, which forced David to leave Saul's palace and go into hiding. But before David departed the palace, he and Jonathan met in a secret place and they made a covenant. This covenant between Jonathan and David was an everlasting covenant that applied to all future generations. In 1 Chronicles chapter 8, verse 34, we learn that Jonathan had one son and his name was Mephibosheth. In one of the battles, King Saul, Jonathan, and all his brothers were killed. At this time, Mephibosheth was only five years of age, and when they passed, the young boy's nurse feared for the young boy's life because she believed all of Saul's lies regarding David, and that David was the cause of all of Israel's problems. So in her haste, she picked up Mephibosheth in her arms 
and she ran, but she accidentally dropped him, causing him to become lame in both feet. At this time, David took the throne, but David never forgot his covenant with Jonathan. Since then, Mephibosheth lived in a location called Lodibar, which translated means a dry and a barren place. He was living in the house of Mekur, translated meaning salesman. The name Mephibosheth itself means shameful. In other words, he was living in a very dry place, being sold out in a house full of lies and was crippled by events. For years, as he lived in the house of Mekur, his nurse and all who lived in that house would tell Mephibosheth over and over again that the reason why you're living in this place is because of King David. The reason why you're crippled is because of King David. David did this to you. And so the boy grew up hating and fearing the household of David. Furthermore, he was living in ignorance, not realizing that a covenant had already been drawn up and established between his father Jonathan and King David. You know, Mephibosheth is actually representative of you and I and how we are as a human race. Because of the fall of Satan and the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, we too have fallen short of God's glorious standard and have become crippled by sin and events. From that time on, the devil has been saying things to us like, God did this to you. It's God's fault that you fell. It's God's fault that your family and this world is falling apart. It's God's fault that you struggle with shame, pain and guilt. And sadly, many have come to believe the devil and agree with him because they don't know about a loving covenant that was established well before they were born over 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. But thankfully, like many here, Mephibosheth didn't live in ignorance forever because one day King David came looking for him because he remembered his covenant with Jonathan. David calls out to Mephibosheth. He calls Mephibosheth out of Lodibar, a dry place. He calls Mephibosheth out of the house of Mekur, a place of lies and out of a place of shame, which you'll see in just a few moments was covered. But let's pick it up. Let's pick it up in uh, Gateway Word of the Week, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. And let's begin to read. You can also follow on the screens. And it says, Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left in the house of Saul that I might show him kindness? You see, God wants to show you kindness. No matter what your history, no matter what house you've been raised in, God wants to show you kindness. And there was a servant of the house of Saul, whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. That's a nice response, isn't it? At your service. 
Then the king asked, Is there still not someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? There it is again, the kindness of God. And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. Now this is the first time that we're hearing about Mephibosheth. And the way that he's being introduced is, yes, there is still someone who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Makur, being sold lies, the son of Amiel in Lodibar, again translated, a dry place. He's still there. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Makur, the son of Amiel from Lodibar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Here is your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness. There it is again, the kindness of God. You know, quite often when people come perhaps to church for the first time, or they meet a Christian perhaps for the first time, or they hear about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, they begin to fear. But here David says, do not fear. Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. David is saying from the beginning, uh, Mephibosheth, I know about your history. I know about your bloodline. I know about the place, the house that you were raised, the place that you're living in. But I'm calling you now out of that dry place. I'm calling you now from that place, that house of lies. And I'm calling you, inviting you to come and eat at my table, the king's table, continually. Let's look now at the reaction of Mephibosheth as David makes this declaration. And let's also take notice of King David's response to Mephibosheth's reaction. In verse 8, Then Mephibosheth bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? That was his reaction to David's invitation and call to the king's table to eat there continually. Now, I wonder what King David is going to say about that. Now, let's just take, pick it up in verse 9. And the king called to Ziba. In other words, David totally ignored what Mephibosheth just said. Hey, you know, there's nothing wrong with being aware of our own, you know, state before a holy God and uh, our Creator, especially as we're being convicted by our sins. But God will always turn His ears away from negative confessions about our history that don't line up with God's given destiny for our lives. Let's pick it up in verse 10. He says, You therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for Mephibosheth. And you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. 
Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my Lord has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table. And it concludes verse 13, and he was lame in both feet. <laughs> you know, when I first read this story all the way back in 1993, it so impacted my life. As I realized to myself, as the Holy Spirit revealed to me that King David in this story is a picture, it's a typology of who God is. And that Mephibosheth in this story is me. I am Mephibosheth in this story. And when God first called me, and when God first called you, He called me out of a dry place. You see, I was looking around You've heard my story. I was looking, looking for love in all the wrong faces and in all the wrong places. I was looking to draw water. I was looking for food, spiritual water, spiritual food, something to satisfy me on the inside. And this is what life is like without Christ, the living water, the bread of life in our lives. I was saying to the men on Wednesday night, it was really interesting because uh, uh, Colin, um, I, I, felt, I feel like I'm mentioning Colin's name a fair bit lately. Um, but as we began the meeting, I said, hey, has anyone got a testimony? Anything that you want to share? And, and Colin said, yeah, I, I have something. And uh, Colin said that he had a dream in the early hours of the morning. And it's not the kind of dream that he said he would normally have. And, and from memory, I think he said it had something to do with the living water right? Is that right? What else? Oh, you can't talk right now anyway. You've got a mask on. Um, <clears throat> it had something to do with living water. And, and you know, we're all looking for water, whether we know, I mean, hopefully, if we, we have a revelation of Jesus, we're going to Him all the time for uh, that living water. But without Christ, and even if we've gone a little bit wayward in our walk with God, we can be doing this a lot of the time as we look for water. This is what looking for spiritual water can look like. Are you ready? That's what looking for living water can look like. You're thinking, what are you doing right now? Well, translate, it's this. We're looking for living water on social media. I wonder if that'll spark something in my life. I wonder if there's a hit, as it were, of, uh, you know, happy genes or dopamine or something that'll just give me a little spark on looking for living water and and as we know what all that ends up doing if we're not careful is really making us feel like we're missing out on something or uh, or, or it just kind of robs and steals our joy because we compare our lives with other people's lives online and it's such an issue it is such an issue and it's one of the great contributors to oppression and depression in people's lives. It's because of this. And you've got to control it. And if you can't control it, it's going to control you. Let me just put it out there. This is not reality. And so this is a picture of you and I, this story in 2 Samuel. You see, 
When it comes to the first and last mention of Mephibosheth, it says that he was lame in both feet. So when God goes to call him, he's introduced with someone who's lame in both feet, crippled by life, crippled by an unfortunate event, crippled by our upbringing as we believe lies and not the the truth of God's Word. And in verse 13, it ends with that Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem and he ate continually at the king's table for the rest of his days and he was lame in both feet. You see, I feel like that's always our state. That's always our state. But, but Jesus, he calls us. He's not, looking, he's not looking for a perfect walk, you see, but because he made that walk perfect as he walked to Calvary. Mephibosheth stumbled about, and we too, we can all stumble about. Yet despite our stumbling from beginning to end, there'll always be, you see, there'll always be a place for you at the table. And this is what God wants you to know. You're going to stumble about. We're lame in both feet before we knew Christ and even in our walk with Christ. You know, I love our Indian brother, Pastor Naveen at Gateway Life Church in Vemupalam and Padapalam Village. And every time I talk to him, I say, hey, how are you? He goes, I am good by God's grace. We are doing well by God's grace. And amen to that. You know, I am doing well today by God's grace. I thank God for God's grace. And I just want to remind us to keep on, to keep on thanking God, to keep on praying, to keep on thanking Him for His grace. By His grace, there go I. Let me ask you this. What do you think it was that Mephibosheth could bring and contribute to the king's table? He was lame in both feet. Has the uh, communion elements been handed out? Uh, you may do that. Thanks. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you, Eddie. And what do you think you can offer? And what can you bring to the king's table? What do we have to offer? And what do we have to contribute? You see, the table, it's not about what we bring. It's about what the king brings. And if we focus, listen, Christian, if we just focus on our efforts only and, and it's about what we can bring, and I know that, you know, God has given us talents and everything like that, but when it comes to love, when it comes to grace, when it comes to acceptance, it's not about what we bring, it's about what He has already brought. To be at His table means to be a part of His family. And God wants to remind you today that He's called you to be a part of this family. You belong here and you're invited. Have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed that when you're sitting around a table that you can't see your feet? The table of God hides all of our blemishes, all of our crippledness, all of our faults and all of our failures. Some of us perhaps have been out of fellowship with God for weeks, perhaps months. Perhaps you've been out of fellowship with God and God's people for years, perhaps even a decade. 
But no matter who you are or where you are, perhaps you're even living in a dry place and a house of lies. But God wants you to know, I've got good news for you. God wants you to know that there is still a seat at His table, that there's still a seat reserved for you with your name on it. And the words of the great prophet Isaiah come to mind. Thank you, bro. The words of the great prophet Isaiah come to mind. You see, what do we have to offer him? What can we contribute to his table? Well, Isaiah said in Isaiah 61 verse 3, that God consoles those who mourn in Zion. He gives them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He might be glorified. I really do hope, church, that we can really get a hold of this story today. That it's not about what we bring to the table. It's about what He has already brought. And there's this great passage. It's in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Let's get that on the screen. It's what I would call our salvation key passage here. And it says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. That's good news. That is such good news. You know, my wife and I, we, um, uh, we just uh, jumped online uh, this past Friday night with all of our youth. And we had the most engaging time there. And it was just so amazing because at the end, I was just telling them how, you know, we have a hope that is beyond this world. Uh, we got to, you know, particularly in these days, and we know that things are heating up around the world. We live in a very unpredictable world. It was really kind of weird for me uh, last night just to, for a few moments, just to view the AFL, um, you know, the, the, the telecast there. And I can't even remember uh, who was playing, but it was just so weird to see the crowd, sorry, to see the um, uh, the arena just empty of people. And I said to Trent, I said, listen to that. They've put these sound effects over the top of the game, of the crowd, of a, you know, a full capacity crowd cheering and things like that. And she's like, really? Is that what they're doing? I said, yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. And I said, uh, you should hear it when they kick a goal. They've even got this mix there where the crowd go crazy and all they have is just the coaching staff in the box, you know, so... But it's just so weird. It was just a moment for me. And, you know, I'm not the kind of person that overanalyzes things or over-spiritualizes things. And, but I just couldn't help but think to myself, here's a couple of professional sports teams and they're going for it and they're doing their thing, you know, and it's all good. I'm not knocking any of that by any means. But on the outside, it's like in the real world, you know, the world is in chaos, and we're all doing, you know, here we are just committed. It's like, here's this team. And again, I'm not knocking it, but here are these teams committed to a cause when there's a greater cause going on uh, around the world. And it just reminded me that uh, that scripture when Jesus said in the last days, uh, people will be marrying and being given into marriage and people will be doing this and whatever else. And then suddenly Jesus will come, right? But Jesus also said that in the last days, you see, you've got to know this. 
You've got to understand this because this is what Jesus, our loving Lord and Savior, said. He said, in the last days, there'll be wars, rumors of wars, cyclones, earthquakes, famines. People, men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And there'll be a great falling away. And then the end will come. (laughs) It's not exactly one of those popular messages going around right now, but it's the truth. And may it sober us up so that we are not asleep in a dry place and in a house of lies. Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's your opportunity. If you're hearing God's word today in my voice, it's an opportunity to get your life right. Because the Bible actually makes it clear. You see... um, You know, some people might believe in the whole theory of reincarnation. Well, the Bible actually blows reincarnation out of the water. Because the Bible says that it is appointed for man to die once and then face judgment. You see, everything that we're looking at is just material. The only really, the only real thing is you. Everything else is material. Everything else has an expiry date on it. Everything else is passing away. Scripture says, you've got to hear this, or at least be reminded. Scripture says that heaven and earth will pass away, but they who do the will of the Lord will abide forever. You see, we have hope today. And I want to stir up your faith to have hope for the future, for a better world. There's a better world coming. There's a better world coming. This is not it. Do your best whilst you're on the earth, right? Do the best that you can when it comes to loving and serving uh, God by loving and serving people, but prepare with eternity in mind. I just love that passage. Is it up there? We got that, that salvation passage. Again, Romans 10, 13, that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ will be saved. Before we take communion around the table of the Lord today, Uh, I want to show you just a little video. It goes for about, I think, 39 seconds. And uh, it's both, for me, it's humorous, but it's also true. Okay? And uh, so what you're going to witness is a sheep that somehow got wedged in a ditch. Right? And the sheep can't get out. It's bound. It's bound, but then the good shepherd comes along, Jesus, and, you know, can you just imagine the sheep calling out, save me, get me out of this ditch, get me out of this hole. The shepherd then releases the sheep, and anyway, without me going on any further, let's take a look at uh, this short video. This is like, oh, Jesus, help me, Jesus. Get me out of this mess, Jesus. I'll serve you for the rest of my life. And now he takes off. Thanks, Jesus. Jesus. Could you help me again, Jesus? <laughs> like I said, it's for me. It's, but that's exactly what we do, you know. Do you know that? That's exactly what we do. So many people, they call upon the name of the Lord, get me out of this mess. And if you do, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. 
And Jesus sets the, the individual free and they say, thanks, Jesus. And off they go again, not realizing that there's another hole waiting for them in the future. But you know what? That could happen 10,000 times, times, 10,000 times, times, 10,000 times. And Jesus will rescue that soul every single time. Isn't that good news? I'm so glad about that personally. I'm so glad about that. I can't tell you how many times Jesus has delivered me and set me free because he made a covenant over 2,000 years ago on the cross. You see, the thing that separates us from every other God that's ever named on the planet is that Jesus was there from the beginning. All things were created through him. He came in the likeness of uh, human flesh, lived perfectly, died upon a cross, and predicted his own bodily resurrection three days later, and he pulled it off. 1 John 1 9 says that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and the blood of his covenant will cleanse us from all wrongdoing. If that's you today, why don't you take the bread, and before we partake, just understand that the the bread, the broken bread represents the broken body of Jesus Christ. And uh, if we take the bread today, we're accepting that his body was broken for us. So let's partake today. And before we partake of the cup, let me just lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer of salvation. It's a prayer that asks Jesus to forgive us of all our sins. Pray this prayer after me. Dear Father in heaven, I humble myself today. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I acknowledge that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Help me to be now the person you've destined me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. And I just want to thank all of those who have joined us online. And I want to say thank you for coming today. It's really great to see you. And uh, I just want to say, hey, if anyone here is just struggling with anything in particular, can I just encourage you to reach out? And uh, you can either message your life group leader, uh, your department ministry team leader. You can also email the church or Facebook or, you know, direct message uh, our social media pages. We just don't want you to feel alone. And I think this is one of the beautiful things about being a part of a community. We are a family because you're welcome here. And we all have a place, a seat at his table. Lord, we just commit the rest of this day to you. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of thanks. Praise God. Thank you, team. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Gateway Life Church. For more information, please visit gatewaylifechurch.org.au. God bless and have a great day.